0: Hello podcast listeners, I hope you're having a wonderful day as much as I am. Man, there's so much to be able to talk about this weekend, but these were just a few things that currently stuck out, at least when doing my research for today's podcast. First off, Minions re- recently came out, the movie, and Minions, The Rise of Gru, tops 108 million as parents flock back to the c- cinemas, kids in tow, okay? We're also going to be talking about how there's a an airline that's now allowing the economy passengers to lie down on their airplanes and we'll get into more details on which company that is soon. We got some Tesla news both on earnings and of both positive and negative. One of them are their earnings and the other one has to do with what recently might have happened with some of their cars. And finally end today's podcast today by talking about how top Wall Street analysis sees strong upside potential in each of these stocks. Though I have looked at them, I don't fully agree. And I'll get into more details with that as we get closer to the end of this podcast. With that being said, guys, like I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is is my own personal opinion. I cannot give you financial advice. You need to go talk to your own financial advisor before making financial decisions, as your financial advisor would actually know your situation a lot better than I do. I am not a professional advisor. The whole purpose of this podcast is for entertainment purposes or for those who wish to seek out information on being able to know what's happening in the market at times because this is for entertainment purposes only this podcast. With that, let's begin today's podcast. Minions The Rise of Gru tops 108 million as parents flock back to cinemas, kids in tow. Families have gone bananas for Minions The Rise of Gru over the weekend, the Universal and Illuminati Illumination animated feature tailed more than 108 million in ticket sales. The fifth film in Despicable Me franchise generated additional 93.7 million from international markets, bringing its estimates uh, estimated opening weekend haul at 202 million globally. Quote, with the incredible success of Minions, the notion that family audiences were avoiding movie theaters due to COVID concerns can be shelved, said Paul, senior media analysis at Corn's, uh, ComScore. Box office analysis have wondered if the segment of moviegoers was still avoiding cinemas after Disney's and Pixar's movies *Lightyear* took in just 51 million during the domestic debut last month, below expectations of the 70 million and 85 million. It's unclear if tough box office competition led to *Lightyear*'s less than stellar debut. Of its consumers, were confused about the film's release. After all, there had been a theatrical release of the Pixar film since 2020s onward. And the last three from the anime studio Soul, Luca, and Turning Red were all released on streaming service Disney Plus. Minions, the Rise of Gru represents 54% of all domestic moviegoers over the weekend, with 68% ticket holders being part of a family group, according to data from Intelligence. Quote, what what this weekend has showed is a triumph return to cinemas by families, laying arrest and lingering in an outdated pandemic narrative that parents and kids only want to watch movies at home said Sean Robbins, chief analysis at boxoffice.com. When the right content's out there, people will show up. The film is expected to add another 20 million in ticket sales in the US and Canada on Monday, bringing in the holiday weekend total of 128 million, okay? First off, congratulations, uh, Minions, the rise of Gru. I mean, this proves right here that if you make decent content, people are going to come watch your program that you're making, okay? Now, they just sit on here that, oh, it's because box office analysis had wonder if the segment of movie girls was still avoiding cinemas after Disney's Plus and Pixar's Lightyear took in 51 million. Okay. And then they're saying it's unclear if the tough box office competition led to Lightyear's less than stellar debut. No, one of the reasons why Lightyear's is just, it was just a terrible, terrible movie in general. Okay. Because here's the thing. Okay. Top Gun recently just crossed a billion dollars this weekend. Okay from uh, from India Times, they're saying here that Top Gun had crossed a billion worldwide, okay? And within the United States, it just crossed five hundred and seventy two million. okay? So the real reason why Lightyear's not doing well, their content stinks. It stinks to high Evans. No one's good this this is part of the streaming wars I've been talking about recently in this podcast with between Netflix, Disney Plus, and all these other ones. If you can create content that people want to watch, they're going to go watch it, okay? Because think about it. Top Gun had had almost just as many delays probably as Lightyear did because of COVID. In fact, I think they even say in this article from India Times, it says, uh, let's see here. Uh, no, I, Maybe I misread it somewhere else. Oh, here it is. The, the release of Top Gun 2 was delayed several times because of COVID-19. And it looks like it was all worth the hype. So, I mean, what's the excuse really? It's in reality, Lightyear stunk to high heavens. And that's one reason why people are not watching the movie right now, okay? This, this streaming war service in the making, as, as I've talked about, it's all gonna be based off content. Who can make the best content to get people to come watch, okay? If you don't make good content, no one's gonna watch your stuff anymore. And I mean, it shows right here. Minions is a children's film and they succeeded this weekend where Lightyear failed, why is that? They both they both represent to the same audience, children and families. Because Lightyear's content stinks, okay? I'm expecting Disney stock to soon start getting hammered heavily. Cuz now Disney's probably gonna have to rely more on their theme parks. But at the same time, it just seems like things aren't going to go well for companies in the streaming wars if you're not making content that is for your audience. If you want to make money in this industry, you have to know your audience and you have to stop trying to make things that people don't want to see. That's what it boils down to. So congratulations, Minions, proving to the uh, experts again what is determining people's spending habits in the making. But we'll cover that some more when more films come out and we talk about in the future. On to the next article for the Food, Travel, and Tech side from CNBC. Economy passengers could soon lie down on airline airplanes. Meet the airline that's doing it first. Economy flights particularly guaranteed a stiff neck, a child kicking the back of your seat, and competition with your seatmate to claim the middle seat armrest. One airline wants to cure the, to these travel ailments. Air New Zealand recently announced the first the uh, correction recently announced the world's first lie flat pods for economy class airlines, airplanes set to debut in 2024. The concept, the concept called Sky Nest has been in research and development for five years, and will likely feature two rows of three stacked bunk beds for a total of six full-length sleeping pods. The beds will be installed in the Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners, and will be in, and will exist in additional to regular seat seg, uh, sections, seating sections. The sleeping pods might prove necessary. This fall, Air New Zealand will host its first nonstop flight from Auckland to New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport. That's roughly a 17 hour flight will be one of the world's longest regular scheduled passenger flights that will eventually sky nest roll out to could be a perfect fit, but the pods, which will include cooling pillows and ventilation outlets likely won't come cheap prices have yet to be announced, but air New Zealand says for four hours of access to a sleep pod will cost an extra fee on top of your economy ticket quote. The airline did a, a fair bit of research around sleep cycles and Air New Zealand spokesman told CNN Travel last week, a typical sleep cycle is around 90 minutes. So for, so a four-hour session gives the opportunity, opportunity for customers to wind down, fall asleep, and wake up. The bedding will change and the pods will be cleaned for 30 minutes in between every session, according mm-hmm. to the airline. When Air New Zealand initially announced the concept in 2020, transportation analyst Seth Kaplan told CNBC he was skeptical that the economy passengers would jump in line to try it. People are paying the lowest possible rates for tickets, probably aren't interested in ticket add-ons, especially when the pods will occupy much of each plane's already limited space, he said. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this works. I mean, I could see it working because you already have a shortage of pilots right now in the making. And so they could just end up saying, yo, we got a shortage of pilots and we have to raise your ticket prices and we're going to allow you to have pods on these planes. It's hard to tell fully. But it seems like the airline industry is desperate to get people to buy tickets to fly right now. They are, in a way, if you think about it. And they're also desperate to find the talent that they need to be able to make these flights happen. I still believe that you're going to be seeing potentially self-driving planes soon. Which I could see help cut costs down a lot. Probably could. Continuing on with the... uh, The article, the airline business is a real estate business, Kaplan said. Air New Zealand will have to ask itself if those beds will bring in more money than economy or premium seats in some space. This isn't Air New Zealand's first attempt to help economy travelers sleep better. Passengers can already upgrade their coach seats to a sky couch or coach seats with feet rest and lift to create a bed-like space. That, That produce has also been licensed in China Airlines and the Brazilian carrier Azul. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. I don't see the airline industry really being like the real estate industry because with the real estate industry, you have lack of land. I mean, it's not like they're making new bits of land every single day. I mean, anyone can potentially start an airline industry if they really wanted to. The question just becomes is how much people are willing to go into debt or to start the company in general for the airline industry. So... I mean, good for you, Air New Zealand. I hope this works out for you guys. But at the same time, it's pretty questionable to see what could potentially happen with this. Because maybe this is where things are going to have to go. Short Shortage of pilots just gives you an excuse to raise ticket prices already. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now onto the tech side of things with Tesla, who I believe if anyone's going to solve this issue potentially in the future, it could be Tesla and Elon Musk. We'll have to wait and see, though. Tesla delivered 254,695 electric vehicles in the second quarter of 2022. Tesla just posted its second quarter vehicle production and delivered numbers for 2022. Here are the key numbers. Total deliveries Q2 of 2022, 254,695. Total production of Q2 2022, 258,580. Delivery numbers, which were the closest approximation of sales reported by Tesla, just shy of analysis expectations. According to the consensus compiled by Factsheet owned street account analysis, we're expecting deliveries of 256,520 vehicles for this quarter, which was marked by COVID restrictions, supply chain snarls, semiconductor chips, and other parts shortages. Last year, Tesla delivered 201,250 vehicles in the second quarter, its first time delivering more than 200,000 units in a three-month period in the first quarter of 2022. Tesla delivered 310,048 vehicles. Total delivery numbers represent sales growth of 26.5 year-over-year year, and a 17.9 decrease sequentially for Elon Musk electric vehicle venture. The company has soft guided guided to around 50% average annual growth long-term, depending on the manufacturing capacity and other factors. And Tesla's first quarter shareholder deck, the company said, "quote We plan to grow our manufacturing capability, uh, sorry manufacturing capacity, as quickly as possible." Over a multi-year horizon, we expect to achieve 50% average annual growth in the vehicle deliveries. In the China this quarter, Tesla had to shut down or only allow partial operations at the Shanghai factory for weeks due to COVID-related public health orders. <clears throat> Factsheet noted that some analysis projections were excluded from the street account consensus and they did not take into account the Shanghai factory shutdown. That's interesting to point out. Other supply chain snares worsened by the Russian brutal invasion of Ukraine also impacted Tesla. In the broader auto industry during this quarter. Seppo Tesla is grappling with high costs of building out and starting up production at new factories in Austin, Texas, and near Berlin, in addition to its Fremont, California, and Shanghai plants. CEO and Elon Musk has publicly lam- lamented that the new factories are costing Tesla billions, but have not yet been able to make enough vehicles and batteries to justify their cost. It's interesting to see how even Elon Musk is struggling with things at time. I mean, I'm curious to now to see how Tesla stock reacts when the market opens up on Tuesday in the United States, because that's the good news part of Tesla. There were some bad news. I mean, it's not complete bad news, but it's still something to point out what's happening with Tesla. Cause it says here, German road traffic agency says 59,000 Tesla's vehicles have software glitch. Okay. And this was reported. I believe today this on Sunday. Yeah, it was reported today. Okay. Sorry, guys. There's a glitch in the system currently right now of my own. Okay. says so here, German Road Traffic Agency said that it was recalling models Y and 3 because of fault in the autom- automatic emergency call system that affects 59,000 vehicles globally. The KBA watchdog said on its website dated June, 9- June 29th that a software flaw was causing a breakdown in the e-call, which is designed to automatically contact emergency responders in the event of a serious accident. German regional broadcast, Rundfunk Berlin Brandenburg, which serves the region that it's home to Tesla's German Model Y and battery production site near Berlin, first reported the recall on Saturday. KBA said 59,129 vehicles are affected globally, but did not specifically how many of those were registered in Germany. The software glitches an added headache for Chief Executive Officer Elon Musk after Tesla on Saturday said it delivered 17.9 percent fewer electric vehicles in the second quarter than a than a previous quarter as China COVID-19 related shutdowns disrupted its production supply chain. Musk said last month that the Tesla factories, okay, we've already talked about this, so that's going to cost them uh, losing billions of dollars to build this. Okay, I just want to know how Tesla is going to react on Monday, how the market's going to react to this on Monday. They had a decent quarter; they're selling a lot of vehicles. But at the same time, there's now a glitch in the software for Tesla, Okay, at least for these cars. And, and we don't know if it's just in the Germany side of things. It could be around the world in general for happening for these glitches. It's hard to tell. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be interesting to see how Tesla's share price reacts on Monday, potentially to the market. Okay. Wall Street's going to dictate this at the end, but it's still just... I mean, I personally, I mean, it's only 59,000 vehicles apparently that were affected. I mean, I could see Tesla stock be going up on mon- on Tuesday, I mean, not Monday, Tuesday. But at the same time, I could see Wall Street overreacting even though they had a stellar quarter. It's hard to tell, but it's something that everyone needs to constantly keep an eye out just to see what's happening with the market and Tesla so Last thing we're going to talk about, and it's going to cover a little bit of the EV markets a little bit, because it has to do with what Wall Street's are thinking right now. Top Wall Street analysis sees strong upside potential in each of these stocks. Investors can't seem to find a trough in this bear market and struggling to hold on to any optimism amid growing concerns of a possible recession. However, the key to surviving a bear market is successfully to to calmly wait for the market to recover, meanwhile taking advantage of current discounts on the right stocks. It makes sense now that more than ever, closely to follow the top Wall Street analysis are saying about stocks. Now, this is what they're saying. Here are five stocks chosen by some of the finest analysis on Wall Street as per tip ranks, which ranks analysis according to performance. Okay. The article pretty much is saying these are the top stocks that they want that you think you should look at because they think they're going to be doing good this year. Let's look into these. The first one they're talking about is Neo. The electric vehicle maker, Neo is suffering from the repercussions of the general weakness in consumer buying trends in response to the inflation. And if this weakness is expected to remain an overhang, at least for the rest of the year, more of the lockdown in China due to resurgence of COVID-19 has been a woe till now. But the easing of the restrictions, Neo is expected to see a boost in growth. Recent... my 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 zuhu analysis rej slashed his revenue estimates for the june quarter in the full year moreover he has his cut price target the stock to 48 from 55 keeping the near-term pressures in mind most of the times are beyond neo's control nevertheless strong ev demand kept uh rakish strong term outlook on neo um by additionally rakish supply chain disruptions that have persisted since the beginning of the pandemic yeah See, I think personally, the only reason they're saying Neo right now is because Neo is Tesla's competitor in China. And to be fair, I think Neo cars are very nice, but I don't think Neo is the answer right now. I really don't. Let's read their next one that they're talking about Rivian, another EV and automated accessible maker on the Rija. Radar is Rivian granted the company has been the victim of circumstances particular supply chain disruptions and chip shortages but growth is still expected to gain traction soon after the clouds clear this is so dumb oh my gosh notably Ray Kish is upbeat about EV batteries prospects for the second half of the year despite elevated macro risk BEV could see strong 2H ramps as China reopens and demand improves with BEV potential up yeah, this is they're completely wrong, and we'll get into that in a second. Therefore, despite lowering the production estimates for Rivian for the June quarter, the analysis is upbeat that the company achieving economies of scale supported by a well laid out path forward towards further vertical integration, giving more control to production delivery of vehicles. The risk factor, the near term headwinds, and the price target trimmed from $10 to $70 per share. Yeah, that's like almost a 100 plus increase that they're thinking about yeah we got to get into this in a second we got a few more to talk about microchip is the leading developer in the manufacturer of microcontrols, memory and analog the interface products for embedded control systems small low power computers designed for specific tasks like its peers the company has been facing consequences of global supply chain shortages which are leading to increased lead times and manufacturing constraints recently uh, stifle analysis, Tori Savenberg found various upsides to the business and upgraded the MCHP stock from hold to buy. He also raised the price target of $75 from 70 microchip, maybe. And the last one is city group that they're talking about. The banking sector is one of those that stands to benefit from the most high interest rate. situation is one of the largest players in the area. As RBC Capital Markets' analysis, Gerald Cassidy pointed out in the recent research report, Citigroup is sensitive to asset, meaning net interest revenue will be steadily rise throughout the monetary tightening period. Higher net interest revenue levels that are generated through rising interest rates fall right to the bottom line and can have meaningful impact on EPS in our views, he said. Cassidy was also... A beat about Citigroup's long-term perspective. More than half of the firm's revenues come from outside North America, placing the company strong position to benefit from the growth of the emerging markets. Oh, I forgot there is one more. Public Storage, which I don't need to go into much in depth because Public Storage is pretty simple. It's a storage company where people store their stuff. But I'll read a little bit about it. Actually, Public storage is own, develops, and operates self-storage facilities in the U.S. Encouragingly, a large part of the Public Storage customers base prefers not to move their stored items around making it easier for a company to raise its monthly fees. More of the recent sale of its business park unit to Blackstone, which is expected to be completed by third quarter of this year, is expected to bring in $2.7 billion in, in proceeds from public storage. Yeah, okay. I can see that with uh, public storage being able to increase their fees if they had to. Okay, Now, let's see if Wall Street is fully correct, in my opinion. Okay. First off, public storage, yes. Could see that happening because it's, people don't want to move their stuff as much and people get lazy when it comes to storing things and they'll end up just leaving that for area for years. And if they don't pay, then they lose all their stuff. Okay. Citigroup. I think potentially any banking company in general is going to do well right now. The only reason I say that is, I mean, they think Citigroup is, but I mean, Bank of America's overseas, JP Morgan's overseas. I believe even Wells Fargo's overseas as well. little disclosure. I do have positions in Wells Fargo JP Morgan and bank of America, small positions, not large ones, but at the same time, at the end of the day, this this is not financial advice, obviously either. I think banks are just going to do well in general right now. They all just passed their tests that they had to do. And almost all of them, except for two, one of them being JP Morgan. And I think it was Citigroup was the other one. I could be wrong. They were the only ones who didn't raise their dividend and didn't repurchase their shares. Okay but they all passed their tests that they had to just recently do because that was a week ago. So anything that's a bank right now could possibly do well right now, even if we do hit that quote unquote recession in the making, okay? Microchips, I think anything with chips is gonna keep being a dominant smart play in the making because there is huge demand for chips. The United States currently a few weeks back and we talked about it in a past podcast is trying to help build chips within the United States so that we're not relying 100% on Taiwan or China or germany or any of those countries overseas to make the chips so the chips play might be a smart play currently especially if that bill officially passes within the united states and they're able to start making the chips here in the united states it won't be cheap but it'll be better in the long run potentially but the biggest beef i have are anything with evs right now electric batteries okay rivion and and neo seriously there's a huge energy crisis right now, and they're so obsessed with this EV battery thing right now, okay? As long as Russia is still with war, with is, is still fighting Ukraine on this pointless war that they're having, it's oil and gas that's going to keep being the moneymakers this year, at least in my opinion, okay? This is not financial advice. This is just me expressing my opinion currently right now, but in my honest opinion, oil and gas is where everything's going to be. I could also potentially start seeing coal being the next big thing because we've talked about in the past podcasts, you have Germany, Italy, and I believe the, yeah, the Netherlands. And I think even France now is having to consider it as well. And And I haven't read as much, but I can almost guarantee other countries are going to be in the same boat soon. They're looking at using coal again. Coal out of all things, the dirtiest of the, all the energies that all we've been hearing for years from these green people that we can't use these fossil fuels because they're bad for the planet as long as russia is still invading ukraine evs do not seem the smartest move right now they don't okay because no one's going to be focusing on having an ev battery if it's snowing outside snow will cover the batteries or even the solar panels that they have wind turbines might freeze too if it's too cold outside i mean if ev batteries were the thing then why is Germany trying to start storing its gas now for its upcoming winter? Because German politicians understand that they're not going to have enough energy. Okay. Wall Street, you're ridiculous. Okay. Your obsession with EVs is sometimes just insane. I mean, there was a time and place. Every, before Russia invaded Ukraine, I mean, I could see it happening. It was slowly getting there, but at the end of the day, you're still going to need cheap energy across the world and oil and gas is one of the cheapest of them all. And like I said, I firmly believe coal is going to be on the rise soon. I really do because these countries in Europe are going to be freezing soon. Countries that have warmer climates like South America, South America. Not so much. You don't need to worry about it as much. I mean, it does get cold, obviously, but it probably doesn't snow as much, if I'm not mistaken. So at the end of the day, Wall Street, you might have it wrong. And I think your opinions are super biased because you're still in this world where EV batteries are still going to be a thing. Sorry, at the end of the day, people still need gasoline. People still potentially need coal in the making. I could even see nuclear becoming a thing, too, as well. Nuclear energy. And obviously geothermal would be another big one as well but maybe it's gonna probably go in this order it's gonna be gas coal and then maybe sometime in the future we're gonna start hearing more about power plants in the making it'll be interesting see how the uh world takes it when we have to start using nuclear energy to order to supply our energy needs so With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have enjoyed being able to record and talk about these things today. If If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please like and subscribe to this podcast and please share it with friends or family as every like and subscription that we have can help grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about the events in the market that Wall Street's not willing to talk about, but we are willing to talk about here on this podcast. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.